This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Ross Jerdstrom. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Nebraska Greats Foundation podcast. I'm Ross Jernstrom, longtime sportscaster in Omaha. I covered the Huskers for 42 years. And one of my favorite players was number 33, Cluster Johnson. Cluster, welcome to the Nebraska Greats podcast. Thanks for having me, Ross. I appreciate the, uh, the introduction. Well, I'll tell you what, we go way back almost uh, 30 years uh, when you were playing football at Bellevue West High School. And you were a quarterback, uh, a really good quarterback. And also you played defense, too, at linebacker. Tell me about those days. What do you remember? Well, uh, I mean, you're you really making me jog my memory, Ross. But uh, I do remember Coach Feynman not wanting me to play defense. But there was times where we played against a really good player like Tony Velan or um, some of those really good Creighton prep teams and he needed more speed and strength on the field. So that those would be the times when I would get out there and, you know, handle business. You were very highly recruited. Uh, you were the best quarterback Gatorade high school player of the year in Nebraska. Tell me what your recruitment was like. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> Obviously, things have have changed significantly today. I remember talking to Coach Feynman, who was really, he was kind of a hands-off guy, but when he knew there was something different about myself and Strickland is when, I want to say when Max M. Finger came to the school. You probably remember that name. Oh, yeah, big recruiting guy, (laughs) like a Sean Callahan. Yeah. So he came up to the school and, you know, he heard about these two guys. And um, I would say from that point forward, things just exploded. And I started to get pretty much letters from every team in the Big Eight, uh, with the exception of Oklahoma, nothing really from Colorado, but everybody else. And then I would get stuff from Indiana. I got stuff from... Um, a couple of SEC schools, Tennessee. And then I, you know, I, obviously I played other sports. I was getting letters for uh, some track stuff. So, I mean, it was uh, pretty much letters, a ton of letters and postcards. And uh, I even got a few telegrams from Coach Osborne. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me uh, how it finally came down to decision time because Nebraska was kind of in that turning stage they had struggled. They had lost twice to Colorado. Uh, the program uh, was kind of at a point, a turning point. Tell me about how you decided on Nebraska. I would say, um, obviously, when you live in the state of Nebraska, you know, you, you, you start to know a lot about Coach Osborne and just the program's history from the Vanny era and all of the great players that that came from that. So me, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. I did not, I didn't know a lot about Nebraska football. I moved to Nebraska in high school 
And so I wasn't raised with that, that Nebraska, you know, rah, rah, I got to be a Husker. So initially I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't thinking Nebraska football. I was thinking, um, you know, about a few other schools and we wouldn't, we, we don't need to bring those up, but the best decision happened because coach Feynman and one of the things he talked about was life after football. And, you know, every kid thinks he's going to go pro. And the fact that I lived here, people knew who I was. And if you kept your nose clean, you graduated from college, the potential to have a good career and a life after football would be greater. And he kind of preached that to me. And I would say that's probably what, helped me make that decision. And then on top of that, Coach Osborne came to the school and I saw how everybody reacted. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we ended up going to Village Inn because he couldn't talk to me. For some reason, he couldn't talk to me at the school. And so my coach had to take me off the, the grounds to talk to him. And I remember we went to Village Inn, me, Coach Osborne and Coach Feynman. And Village Inn was packed. And we walk in this place and you would have thought that these people saw a ghost. <laughs> I mean, the whole, I mean, the whole restaurant just shut down when they saw Coach Osborne walk in there. So I said to myself, well, this, this dude must be, you know, <laughs> this dude is special. And uh, obviously he ended up being a special guy. And I'm, and I'm glad I made that decision. Well, you go down to Nebraska and you arrived down there with a load of talent, some great recruiting classes that were there, and you decided to redshirt your first year, and you've got a lot of guys in that receiving core, very talented, and a lot of guys would bolt after the first couple of years, but you stuck with it. Kind of tell me about that receiving core. You were at wingback and that transition to wingback, and you stuck it out. Tell me about those early years. Well, initially, what happened is I came to Nebraska as a quarterback, and I was in the same class as Brooke Berenger. So it was myself, Brooke Berenger, and Tony Vila. And what I quickly decided was, you know, I want to have a social life. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're a quarterback at Nebraska, you have to study, you have to pay attention, you have to really learn not just your position, but you have to know about every everybody on, on the team pretty much and on defense. You got to know coverages. You got to know what the linemen are doing. You got to know how to make checks. And me at the time when I came to Nebraska, I was just very immature, not ready for that responsibility. So, um, you know, I told Coach Osborne, I, I didn't think I was cut out to play that position. And um, he suggested that I go to defense because – George Darlington needed more defensive backs. So went over there, tried that for a spring. Didn't really like that because I feel like I'm an offensive player. I wanted the ball. And then that's how I ended up coming back to play wing back with uh, Coach Brown. You know, Coach Brown said to the, the coaches, hey, let me take Cluster. I think that he would fit well as wing back. And um, – that's what happened. So that, that first year was tough, but the second year was even tougher because here I'm buried on depth chart. I, I don't really know the position that well. There was Abdul Muhammad. There was 
Vincent Hawkins. There was Brett Pobblewell. There was David Sizes. There was, you know, there was walk-ons. Those guys were walk-ons, some of those guys, and they were very good. And what made me stay, Ross, was I'm, I'm just very competitive. You know, I was just very competitive. I wanted to make it work. I wanted my friends and family to see me play at Nebraska. So that's what pushed me to figure out how I'm going to make this work. And, um, you know, it was just that internal fight. Well, your sophomore year, you start to see some action, even your uh, freshman year in 92. But you really have that that 94 season. You really start to see a lot of action. What was the difference? So here's the difference. I clearly remember. (laughs) So Coach Brown, you know, as a staff, they record everything. They record all the practices. They record one-on-ones. I mean, that's how they separate who's going to play. You know, they, they evaluate everything. So Coach Brown one time made an example out of me. I mean, he basically was showing me in front of everybody that was on the receiving court how how soft I was, how soft I was playing. Um, he basically made an example out of me. And from that point forward, the light bulb came on. I, I remember we were we were watching like a team event and he was like, who is this guy at the top? Like he knew exactly who it was, right? Who is the guy at the top up here not being very aggressive, not not blocking, not running hard. And you know, it was me. So my mentality was I had a lot of friends on defense and I didn't want to quote unquote hit them hard. You know, I didn't want to like, you know, be aggressive with them. But from that, that point forward, I said, you know what? It's business. It's not, it's not personal. This is, this is strictly business. When I come out here, I'm sorry. I gotta, if I want to play, I gotta make an example out of you, my friends. So I just let them all know. I said, listen, this is business. It ain't personal. We could be friends outside of practice. But when I'm at practice, I'm going to let you have it. And it was just a mindset change. Well, your senior year, you end up, after winning a national championship, you end up being the leading receiver on the team with 22 receptions, 367 yards. But here's the deal, 16 yards a catch. I mean, you were the big play receiver in that offense, and there's probably no bigger play in your career than the Colorado game, your senior year. You're out there in Boulder. It's a tight game, but right before the half, you catch a long touchdown pass, and you run in the end zone. Take us back to that crucial day in Boulder in 95. Well, um, you know, we thrived on making – other people's stadiums, our stadium. Yeah. And it was all, almost like an internal amongst us players to like, I'm not going to wait on you to make the, I'm going to make the play. And I think a lot of us had that mentality. A lot of us were, were I mean, we all wanted the ball and especially being a receiver in that offense where they even had to make blocking a big deal so we could feel good about ourselves. Um, we, what we knew as receivers that we only threw the ball 15 to 17 times a game. So we knew that 
when the ball is in the air, if you want to continue to be a part of the offense, if you continue to want to make plays, you you have to catch it and you got to do something with it. And that was just my mentality. Every time the ball was in the air, I wanted to make a big play. And on top of the fact that that was a rivalry and there was, there's always a lot of back and forth for the whole week. Like we would hear stuff that they say, I'm sure they would, we would try to keep quiet. So, uh, you know, we didn't want to have them have any bulletin board material, but they always gave us something to fuel the fire. And when we came to the stadium, we, we were already ready. Like we, we were ready to win the game. And it was just a matter of when my number was called, what I was going to do. So um, my senior year. So on top of that, Ross, let me tell you, on top of that, here I have John Vedrill, who's a very good player. And I have Riley Washington, who wins the 60 meter sprint in the big eight. And I'm just like, if if I don't if I don't perform, there's people behind me that that want to take my spot. So I just never ever wanted to allow Coach Osborne to think that any of these people behind me were better. So um, again, whenever I got the ball, uh, I was always thinking about every game we would have a plaque for the player of the game at each position. If I didn't win that plaque, I was mad. Well, that's I cool. always I always wanted to win that plaque. So I'm going to grade out the best. I'm going to make the biggest plays. And that was just my mentality. Well, you so, are part of one of the greatest offenses in the history of college football and also one of the greatest teams in the history of college football. When you look at that, I mean, it's been 26 years now. I mean, you look back at that team and a how it's measured up and it's still in the conversation of the top three teams in the history of the game. Did you realize at that time how good that team was? That would be an absolute no. <laughs> I don't think any of us knew how good we were. I, I think, you know, we won it the year before and coming back with the, the depth that we had, uh, I just think that we were doing our jobs. We were just really trying to um, – everybody was looking for perfection at their position. And that was the year I think that Coach Osborne had a team that everybody was trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was – nobody wanted to make mistakes. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, equate that to today um, when I look back what Coach Osborne did like in practice, if you jump offside, if you're dropping balls, I mean, you have pressure on you to not do those things. I mean, he would make a really big deal out of that stuff in practice. Like you jumped offside, like it was like he wanted to have a heart attack because you jumped offside <laughs> or he wanted to have a heart attack because you you missed a block or you dropped a ball. Like it just didn't look favorable on you if you did those things. So if you're trying to be perfect in practice and when they get in the game, it's easy because obviously I'm not playing against people as good as I am in practice. So I should be playing better. Lester, we got about five minutes left. I want to talk to you post Nebraska and you're the father of some very talented football players in your family. Tell me about your sons and where they're playing now and what their future is. 
Uh, my oldest son graduated already from Wyoming. He had a pretty solid career. Uh, obviously, his last year, he got well. He, he was injured in the bowl game the year before, and just decided he didn't. My oldest son probably didn't love football. Um, he was really good at it, but probably his love for it wasn't like the last two. Uh, K, the middle son, underdog, always had the I'm I'm better than what I'm getting <laughs> from people. So <laughs> I think that drove him <clears throat> to be where he is today because he just never felt the love. So he, he's that that pushed him. Uh, and Keegan, I would say he would be um, the you know, K went to South Dakota State. Now he is trying to see what's going to happen with his career going forward. Uh, Keegan is probably the best of the two. Like he's very competitive and he also is big, big, strong, um, fast, really fast, really strong. So um, I think Keegan has been inspired by K because he can see that if you, if you put the work in, you could be, you know, you can get some real great results. So you know, he's just getting started. He's at Iowa, and I hope that, um, you know, I think I hope that he gets everything out of it that he puts into it. Cluster, when you look back at your athletic career from high school to where it is now, watching your sons and a great college career, um, what are you going to remember the most? What, what do you treasure the most? Um, I would say, um, I, I think I, to me, I think I clearly enjoy watching the kids more than me actually doing the sport. I, I didn't think that I would, but I, I do, I, I do watching, I love watching them and what they have accomplished because it was never planned that way. I was, ne I never raised them to be like, you got to be these D1 athletes. I just want to make sure they were having fun and that I wasn't trying to live vicariously through them, trying to make them be me. Cause I saw people doing that and I just thought it was, it was not good. And I didn't want them to have that kind of pressure. The, any pressure that they had, they were putting it on themselves. I wanted them to put pressure on themselves to be what they can be. Um, you know, I, me personally, when I did sports, I was I was really doing sports to have fun, and I just so happened to be competitive, and I wanted to win. Yeah. You know, I you know I want to win, so if I do something, I'm trying to win. When you look at the Nebraska greats, what does it mean to be a part of that group? Um, <laughs> I guess you don't really realize um, again. When I got done with football in Nebraska, it took me probably 10 years, 15 years before I looked back and said, man, that was, we were pretty good. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's cool. I, I, I think that uh, obviously we made history and I'm proud of that. But uh, I don't think that it, in my, you know, my mentality has never been, that makes me more special than anybody else out in the streets. Uh, I still think that you, you should treat people with kindness and respect. And um, whenever people want to talk about it, you, 
you are gracious and you talk to them and just let them know that, hey, I'm just like you. Well, Cluster, thanks so much for joining us. You're one of the Nebraska greats, and thanks for joining us on this podcast for the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Cluster Johnson, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ross. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at negreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.